And so today in part two, it is every woman's battle. Now, without causing any kind of strife or divorce, um, would y'all like to guess at what every woman's battle is? You know what? Let me take that back. If you're a woman, would you like to guess? <laughs> That'd be so funny to hear men shouting out all kinds of different things. Ladies, what is y'all's greatest battle? I'm curious. What is it? Okay, obviously, it's your mouth. So, um... No, 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 calm down. So, I've actually had a lot of ladies in church this past week message me. They're like, we know what it is. It's going to be about the mouth. It's going to be about the mouth. And the truth is, ladies do speak more than men. So, the Bible says the more you talk, the more likely you are to sin. Most of the gossip comes from ladies. Most of the negativity does come from ladies. I'm sorry it is, because just because you talk the most, we think it, y'all say it. But, and I don't mean to be this, uh, I don't mean to say this in a crude way. If you were here last Sunday, you'll understand what I'm saying. But if I were to preach to the ladies today, to the wives, uh, about the words that come out of your mouth, that would be equivalent to me preaching to the men last week about adultery or masturbation. That is the outward sin. I talked to the men last week about what they look at, because it starts with looking it gets in their heart, becomes lust, and then they act out on it. So talking to a woman about the words out of her mouth, that is the repercussion of, listen, of the battle of her mind. The greatest enemy a woman will ever face in life is not her ex-husband. It is not her parents that did not affirm her. It is not her boss. It is not the devil. The greatest enemy a woman will ever face in life is the battle that's going on inside of her thought life. Man, you ladies, y'all can think a thousand different things at once. They can be negative. They can be positive. They can be exaggerated. You can have the smallest thing happen and you can visualize the divorce and think about 20 things that if someone offends you today in church, you have a list of the 20 things they did that offended you before. And it all comes to the forefront of your mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a woman thinks in her heart, so she will be Come. It says if you think it, then you're going to say it. You don't say it, then think it. You think it first. And I wanted to show you a little, I want to give you a little um, a visual of what a, a man's brain and a woman's brain looks like, okay? So um, I know y'all are thinking that's a man's brain because it's empty. No, 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 no. Um, here's how men think, okay? Men have about six thoughts, and that's about it. Uh, men think about um, work, men think about money. They think about food, they think about sex, they think about sleep, and I'm going to be kind and say they also think about God. Okay, those are, those are the six thoughts that a man has. Other than those six thoughts, that's, that's most of them. Other than that, men are usually thinking about nothing. And you ask a man, honey, what are you thinking about? And when you ask him that, you have about ten different things that you think he's thinking about, and he looks at you and he says, Nothing. He's honestly thinking about nothing. If it's not one of these six things, he can watch TV, watch a movie, and he don't even know where he's at because he's literally thinking about nothing. If it's not food, sex, money, work, uh, sleep, or God, that's about it. That's all. Now, here's the thing about a man, too, is when they think about one of these things, that's all they're thinking about. That, that, they have a one-track mind. If a man is thinking about work, he's only thinking about work. If he's thinking about food, he's only thinking about food. That is it. Nothing else. Nothing else at all. That's it. Now let me show you what a woman's brain looks like, okay?
this dress make me look fat? I can't believe my husband wore this today. I don't like the person that's sitting next to me. Did I remember to put any under it? My kids okay today? Did I tie it like I should have? Am I being a good mom or a bad mom? I bought my kids McDonald's last night. What's wrong with me? I can't believe this. Is this sermon going to minister to me? I don't know if I know that scripture or not. Do I have my Bible? I can't believe I didn't bring my Bible. All these thoughts she's having. And she's having all of those thoughts, listen, at the same time. <laughs> all of them at the same time. And ladies, if you don't learn how to control your thought life, Listen, when, when the enemy attacks you women, he attacks you in your mind first. When he attacks your personality, he goes after your mind. When he attacks your faith, he goes after your mind. When he attacks your attitude, he goes after your mind. When he attacks your, your entire, it always starts with the mind. He's, he knows if he can just plant a seed in your mind, your mind is so powerful, it'll take root and it'll start growing and producing things that God never wanted to be produced inside of your life. As a woman thinks, so she will become. Um, women actually even, they actually even talk like this. Uh, you, you know, you think about like maybe a plane that is circling a runway and trying to land. That's how a woman's mind and that's how her mouth work as well. A, a man, when he lands a plane, when he has a thought, he lands it straight on the runway and that's it. If a man asks his, if a husband asks his wife, you know, what's for dinner tonight? He wants her to say, chicken. That's it. Just land the plane and just tell me what's for dinner. But he asked the wife what's for dinner, and she says, well, I went to Walmart to find what I needed. They didn't have what I needed, so I went to Lowe's Food, and I had to spend more money because Lowe's Food's way more expensive. When I was there, I saw Francis. Francis told me about her son. He's going through a divorce. Can you believe that? While I was there, I saw some red wine. I don't know if we should drink red wine. I don't know if you're mad about it. Just land the black woman. Just tell me what happened, chicken. Just tell me what happened, chicken, and be done with it. So I wanted, to give, I wanted to give you ladies an analogy to think about for the rest of the sermon in a way that, that, that you could really connect with, okay? So ladies, stay with me. Um, I thought really hard about this. I, I prayed about it, and, and, and it came to me just the other day. Have you ever seen the TV shows like The Hoarders where you go in someone's house and it is just packed with stuff that they do not need? And most of the time, it is a woman. You walk in the house, and, and the door barely opens, and there's a little pathway to get you to the kitchen, and there's a little pathway to get you to the bathroom, and a little pathway to get you to the bedroom. Other than that, everything in the house is trash. It's completely cluttered. And everyone else can see, and they visit this person, they have interventions, and they say, man, everything's cluttered. And the person thinks, no, I need all this. I saw one horror video and this lady had popsicle sticks from popsicles that her kids ate 30 years before and she couldn't throw it away. For some reason, she deceived herself into thinking she had to hold on to that. There were newspaper articles from the 80s. There was homework that her kids did back in the 70s. Ladies, you got to unclutter your mind. And you can't just do this after today's sermon. You have to do it every single day. Because if you don't unclutter your mind with the wrong stuff and begin to putting the right stuff in there on a regular basis, your life, one day you're going to look and your life's going to be completely disgusting, messy, horrible. There'll be things from the 60s and 70s, 80s you don't need. There are things that are in your mind you do not need anymore. Let those things go. So I have three points for you today with a bonus point, just like we did last Sunday. And point number one is this. You have to recognize. You have to recognize the thought. If it's negative, if it's discouraging, if it's critical, if it's fearful, if it's worry, that's a sin. And I know you, last week you talked about men looking at pornography and lust, and I know some of you ladies are thinking that's such a horrible sin. Listen, lust in the mind is just as bad as worry in the mind. 
And they're both sin. They are both sin. You gotta let it go. You think, you know, um, my husband, he never closes the, the pantry door. Never goes, and you, you want to bring it up every time. You have to tell yourself, what if he never closes it for the rest of your marriage? Are you still gonna be married to him? Of course. Then why bring it up? Why even think about it? Is it that big of a deal? And you think, well, no, it's not that big of a deal. Then don't bring it up if it's not that big of a deal. All the great things he does, and that's the one thing you're going to think about and talk about is he doesn't close the cabinet doors. Just close them and let it go. Just let those things go. Philippians 4, it says, fill your minds with whatever is true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper. In other words, think about what you're thinking about. If you don't fill your mind with the right things, then there's space there for the enemy to fill it with the wrong things. And we brought kids from children's church up here, and I said, listen, your mommy's having this thought. And I, I told them the thought, is it a negative or positive thought? The child would easily be able to tell, well, that's, that's negative. Okay, but an adult says this. Well, the reason I'm thinking that, the reason I said it is because of this. Well, the reason is because they're doing, the reason is because I'm tired. There's no excuse. No, if it's not if it's not true, pure, right, holy, friendly, and proper, there's no excuse to think about it. No excuse. And I gave the ladies a, a lot of homework to help the husbands out last Sunday. So husbands, your job in this, and I'm going to talk about it at the end of the sermon, is to make sure you are helping your wife fill her mind with these things. You heard the phrase, happy wife, happy life. Listen, happy wife because I have a happy mind. And if you can encourage your wife to get in the word, if you can encourage your wife to read the right books, if you can say things that help bring your wife closer to God, all you're doing is you're filling her mind with the right things. And I promise you, she'll be the happiest woman in the world. Job 3.25 says, the thing that I feared the most, the, the COVID that I just kept thinking about over and over and over and over and over, the disease, the sickness, the death, the poverty, the, the worry, the doubt, I kept thinking about it over and over and over and over and it actually came upon me. That which I dreaded actually happened. It actually happened. You know, you draw these things in like a magnet. Some of you wonder why certain things happen to you at work or in life. You're drawing it in. You already, you already saw it up here. Of course you're going to. That's actually what faith is. Faith is the substance of things not seen. The, the, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is, the, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. You get on the inside, it happens on the outside. Mark Twain said this. He said, um, I've had some terrible misfortunes in my life, some of which actually happened. <laughs> some actually took place. Most of the horrible things just take place in your mind, and you wonder why it makes you feel sick, and you're drowsy, and you're in a bad mood. It all starts up here. There was a 23-year-old girl named Lynn, true story. Uh, she was a constant worrier. I mean, just worry, worry, worry about everything, the way she looked, her clothes, the kid, just on and on it went. And one day she went to a grocery store and several people noticed her sitting in her car with the windows rolled up and her eyes were closed and both hands were on the back of her head. And a concerned customer who had been in the store for a while walked over to the car and noticed that Lynn's eyes were now open and she looked very strange. So he asked her, are you okay? And Lynn said, I've been shot in the back of the head and I've been holding my brains in my head for over an hour. The man called the paramedics. They broke into the car because the doors were locked and Lynn refused to remove her hands from her head to unlock the doors. When they finally got in the car, they discovered a Pillsbury biscuit canister exploded from the heat, made a loud sound like a gunshot, shooting a wad of dough on the back of her head. Lynn initially passed out, but quickly recovered and tried to hold what she thought was her brains for over an hour. 
Oh, you ladies, tell me your thoughts and I'll tell you your future. <laughs> if you will tell me what you're thinking, I can tell you how secure or how insecure you're going to be in your future. If you tell me what you're thinking, I'll tell you uh, how wealthy or, or poor you're going to be. I can tell you how much faith or how much fear you're going to have in your future. Just tell me what you're thinking and I'll tell you what your future holds. Point number two is this for your notes. You've got to reject it. You have to reject it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 5 says, We use God's power to cast down strongholds. A stronghold is simply a wrong thought pattern. And most likely the stronghold occurred during a negative time in your past. As a child, with your parents, with somebody, uh, something happened. And somehow the enemy got in and he planted that seed. And, and it never left your mind. But it says we take every thought captive and we make it obey Christ. That word cast there in the scripture means this, to kick out forcefully, to kick out forcefully immediately. Um, if you got home from church today and you noticed that a rattlesnake was in your living room, you would think, you know, I'm going to order some food first and I'm going to watch a little bit of TV and, and then later on I'll get to that. Immediately you would take care of that rattlesnake because you recognize it's harmful. It's destructive and it's in your home. You have to treat the wrong thoughts the exact same way. Exodus 33, 2 says this, the Lord told Moses, now this is the word of the Lord. This is what God said. The creator of the universe opened up his mouth and here was his words. Moses, if you lead the people to the promised land that has milk and honey flowing, I will send one angel to drive out the people who live there. So God said this, I want you to think about this, Moses. I'm going to take care of all the people in the promised land. I'm going to get them out and y'all will live there. I'll take care of it. I'm going to send an angel. This is my word. I got your back. I'm going to take care of it. Okay, that's it. So Moses gets the two million people up to the promised land and he sends 12 spies for 40 days to kind of spy everything out. Ten of the spies came back in Numbers 13, 32 and they said this. They started spreading evil Rumors. Let me just say this. They started saying evil things. They start, So obviously their thoughts weren't going in the wrong direction because they're saying evil things. Now, the evil things they said, there's no cuss words. There's no F-bombs. There's no, they're not, no one's damning God. There's nothing like that. But yet it says evil. Why did God call what came out of their mouth evil? Here's why. Because it was the opposite of what God said. If God is holy... Anything that is opposite of what God said is considered evil. Just so you know. Okay, here's the evil thing that they said. The people who live there are very large. We are not strong enough to attack them. They are more powerful than we are. We saw, it's so funny, it started off as people that are large. Now they're giants. We saw giants and we were as small as grasshoppers, which makes them, if you do the math, it actually makes these giants 300 feet tall, by the way, if their calculations are correct. We were as small as grasshoppers compared to them. Numbers 14.3, all night long the people cried and complained, did the Lord bring us to this land to die and for our wives and children to be captured? It's so funny. You can imagine the 40 days, these 10 spies, they're there. And I can imagine the first week or two, they're thinking thoughts that the first week or two, they're thinking, you know what? These people are kind of large. And then no one stopped it. And they maybe they started talking about it. Then the second or third week, they thought this, we're not strong enough to attack them. They're more powerful than we are. And then a few more weeks, we saw giants. And we're as small as grasshoppers. And then finally it got to the point, yep, God brought us here to die. And we're all going to be captured. And everything's going to be over. That is exactly what the enemy wants to do in every single one of our minds if we continue to dwell on the wrong thoughts. It becomes so exaggerated 
To the point where you're seeing your child in a coffin, you see yourself losing your house, you're sick in the hospital with COVID, and none of these things happen, but you see it all up here. Um, I, I have two little phobias in my life. One is, is that I don't like to touch paper. I, I do it sometimes because I have to, but I don't, I don't like, I try to avoid touching paper because one time when I was in high school, I watched this bad television show. Even the name of the show is a bad word. It had Johnny Knoxville in it. And I saw one episode of it, and um, these two guys were giving each other paper cuts. And it just created something, so now I can't touch paper. My other little phobia is I'm scared to death of splinters. I got one when I was a kid, and it, like, it got infected and swole up and, you know, just horrible things. And so a while back, and I'm not a tool guy. I'm a piano guy. There's a big difference, okay? But anyway, I'm still a man. I just play the piano, okay? <clears throat> but um, I was having to cut some wood. I think I was doing something to, to cause our screening door to be able to lock or whatever. So I got some, a marker and I went outside and you know, I went to Lowe's and got the wood and I, I marked the wood and I got my Sawzall and I'm cutting it. And all of a sudden I look down and I see a splinter in my hand. And man, my heart just sunk. I thought, oh no, what are we going to do? And I thought, I'm going to keep working and then I'll go inside and take care of the splinter later. And, and the more I'm working, the more I'm just visualizing how bad it's going to be. And my, my heart, my blood pressure is going up. I feel like I'm having a heart attack. And it's getting bigger and bigger. So I thought, I'm going to feel it and see if I can feel it. So if I get tweezers, you know. And I felt it. And it was, it was so smooth, you couldn't feel the splinter. So I thought, it's underneath my skin. And now, and I started seeing myself, they're going to have to cut my hand off. I won't be able to play the piano anymore. And I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I don't have insurance. i got to go to which hospital am I going to go to? And it got so bad, I just stopped working. And I went inside. I went and got a steak knife. Because I thought I'm going to have to cut around my hand to get the splinter out. And then they'll have to stitch me up. Maybe that'll be easier. And it'll be, that way I won't be in so much. I'd rather give myself pain than the hospital. So I get the steak knife and I get a pair of scissors and I get a tweezer. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, about this time, my whole body's sweating. It's just pure, profusely sweating. I go in the bathroom. I get under the light and I wipe it. And it was a marker from when I did a little piece of wood. You know, it'll tip off the thing. What even a splinter? <laughs> That's exactly what happens in our mind, right? Listen. Did you know that two million of them, they got exactly what they thought. They died in the wilderness. Exactly what they thought, exactly what was going on in their mind is exactly what happened. The thing they feared the most is what took place. Their gigantic enemy, for your notes, was their gigantic mind. It wasn't Pharaoh. God killed him. It wasn't the giants. God took care of him. It wasn't the, the wilderness. All these things, were not the, their problem was the problem in their mind. Now, out of two million of them, only two made it into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. Only two. In Numbers 13, 30, it says this. Caleb silenced the people who were complaining against Moses and said, let us go up at once and take the land. We are well able to conquer. Here's what I want you to see. All Caleb did, I don't know if he really felt this way or not. All he did was think about what God said. That's it. That's all he did was get his mind going. If God said we're well able, then we're well able. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that made it in the promised land. Now here's what I want you to see. Out of two million people, Two made it out of two million people. They all went to the same church. They all lived in the same community. They all had the same past. They all had all their circumstances. They were all facing a society with COVID. They all had the same president. Whatever you can think of, it was all the same. But only two made it out of two million. The only difference was their thoughts. That was the only difference. Two of them dwelled on what God said. Two million of them dwelled on the opposite. That was the only difference. Um, a, a famous Olympic gold medalist named Carl Lewis. He won the long jump many years ago. While he was training, 
Um, the experts said there's no way that a human being can jump over 30 feet, which was what Carl's goal was. And the scientists studied and they ran their calculations. And according to the research, nobody would ever be able to jump more than 30 feet. And so while Carl was training one day, some, some, um, some news people came and talked to him. They interviewed him. And they said, Carl, do you hear what all the experts are saying? Tell us, what do you think about all this? And Carl said this, I know the experts say it's impossible, but I don't listen to them because I don't want those thoughts slipping down to my feet. Here's my question. Are you allowing the wrong thoughts to slip down to your feet? Are you allowing the wrong? You know, that same year, Carl Lewis broke the world record and he jumped over 30 feet. It's amazing what we can do when we dwell on the right things. Point number three is this. You have to replace it. It's not enough just to recognize and reject it. If you don't replace it, the enemy will just keep bombarding you with that same thought every single day. Joshua 1.8 says this, meditate in God's word day and night and you'll prosper and have good success. It's like reprogramming a computer. I want you to see your mind is, is the top of the line, the nicest MacBook Pro you could possibly purchase. It's intended by its designer to run fast and smooth and be very powerful. And if you download the wrong thing, if you put a virus on the computer, the problem really isn't the computer or the manufacturer. The problem is what was put on it. So you have to delete the viruses, get rid of the wrong things, and then you have to download or reprogram the right things under the computer. All through life, the world tries to download the wrong things into our mind. The world will say things to you like, you know, none of my dreams will come true, and man, I'm just too old for this to happen, and I've been thinking about this for years, but it's not going to happen for me. you got to reject that thought, and you have to reprogram your mind with Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You think, man, I'm unattractive, and i, I got to look like this to be pretty, or i got to look like this for people to like me. Delete, 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 reprogram it with Psalms 139. I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Man, I don't know if I can take another day. My job's horrible. I don't have anybody to support me. What am I going to do? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you can't just do this once. you got to find your scripture, man. And listen, I'm not for tattoos at all, woman. I'm not for tattoos at all. I'm not, but, you know, find your scripture. Put it somewhere where you can see it every day. Put it on your refrigerator. Write it in lipstick on your mirror. Get a, a, a something on your house. Whatever your battle is, whatever your stronghold is, you have to find what God said and replace the stronghold with something from God's word. Man, this addiction's got me, and I can't believe it's been 20 years. I'm never going to overcome. John 8, 36, if the sun sets me free, I'm free indeed. You say, well, I'm not free. Keep on thinking it, and one day it'll take root in your heart, and it'll happen. You might not be free today, but you keep on believing until it happens. My child's a wayward child, and I can't believe I must have done something wrong. I don't think they're ever going to make it. Joshua 24, 15 is for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. I mean, God's done with me. I've made so many mistakes. Does he still have a plan for my life? Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in me will continue until it is fully complete. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just a stronghold. It's just a stronghold. Um, you know, and I don't mean to say this in a, in a, in a rude way, but um, women are, um, they are much more spiritual than men. Yes, all through the Bible, they were more spiritual than men. Uh, today in society, they're more spiritual than men. I mean, you got a woman in the Bible who's never seen anything supernatural, but she trusted her baby in the Nile River. 
And then you got a man who saw a snake turn into a stick and a stick into a snake. And God said, go speak to somebody. I'm afraid to talk. You know, you got a woman who stood in front of a king knowing as soon as she opened up her mouth, there was a 99.9% chance she'd be killed. She did it and God spared her life. And then you got a guy who saw fire rain down from heaven and a woman sends him a letter and he says, God, please kill me today. You know, so there's a big difference in the faith in women and men. Women are more spiritual because you are, you're in tune to the things. You can sense things better. A woman can walk into a room and immediately sense if there's something wrong or if something needs to be fixed or taken care of, that's how women is. Men are much more black and white. They're just black and white. Give me the facts. Tell me, tell me what's right. How can I be a success? What's going to make me a failure? And that's it. Black and white. Knowing that women are more spiritual than men, more, more in tune, you're more in tune with the Holy Spirit. You can. You can just sense the Holy Spirit, feel the Holy Spirit better, and that's great. But the Bible is black and white. And while women are more spiritual, I don't hear a lot of ladies quoting the word often. I hear you talking about how you're feeling and, you know, God's speaking to me about this and God's speaking to me. That's great. But sometimes you need to get something black and white right out of the, or red right out of the Bible and get that inside of you and kind of put aside what you're feeling, put aside what you're thinking and go straight to the word, straight to the word. You got to learn how to make sure that the word of God is replacing all the wrong things inside of your mind. When you don't know how to respond, when you don't know how to act, when you don't know what to say, don't open your mouth. Open the word. Bonus point is this. Here's point number four. Bonus point is you have to renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One translation says, let God transform you inwardly by changing the way you think. It starts on the inside, ladies. It starts on the inside. Uh, and just like you renew your Costco card, you renew your license. This is something you need to do every single day. Every single day, get that scripture. Um, I was at an office somewhere recently in a waiting room, and there was a girl that I knew from high school that, that was in there. And I said, oh, hey, hey, John Paul, I hadn't seen you since high school. And she said, I heard you became a pastor. That's shocking. And I said, that's great. And, um, and so she said, well, let me talk to you. And she said, oh, my life's so bad. She said, I, I'm filled with such horrible anxiety all the time. And uh, I don't like where I work at. And me and my husband aren't getting along. And um, said, I have all these fears and, and worries. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it on my own. And, and uh, just on and on she went. I said, well, what is your, you know, where do you go to church? I don't have time to go to church. I said, okay. I said, well, you know, do you have any, is there any women's groups you're part of? No, no, no. I just kind of sit at home and watch TV. And I said, well, what do you, what do you watch? And she told me, and I was like, oh, goodness. And I said, well, um, so what does your life consist? Well, I just watch TV and I work and I, I go out on the weekends with da, da, da. I said, okay, listen. You need, to, you need to find a church, you need to get a women's group, disciples group, Bible study, something like that. You need to get yourself a devotion. I said, you need to pick some preacher that you like and, and watch or listen to that preacher on the way to work. Joyce Meyer, whoever, on the way to work, on the way home, same thing. And I said, well, can't you just pray for me and God will fix it? And so then I said this to her. I said, I'm going to pray for you. But if God fixed all of your problems today, just so you know, this time next week, all of those problems will be back. Because you're not renewing your mind in the word. All these things that you have, they're going to come right back into your life. I'll pray for you. And, and she didn't want me to pray for her after that, but that's okay. Um, I said, but, 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 but if God healed all this fear, all this worry, all, if he healed all of this, and you still fill your mind with the wrong things, this time next week you'll be right exactly where you were. Same exact place. you got to renew 
your mind. Um, all through the Bible, the Word of God is represented by water. Water, bread, and air. And water is one of the main uh, things Jesus uses. In fact, in John 4, 14, when he was talking to the woman at the well, uh, she had a horrible life, horrible relationships, married five times, living with a man she's not married with. And Jesus said to her, the water I give is a spring of living water within them. I, I want you to see that the change always occurs from the inside out. And, and ladies, you can spend 20 minutes a day making the outside look good. Maybe 40 minutes. I don't know how long you spend doing it. But you can do all these things to the outside. But it seems like you spend 20 minutes a week on the inside on Sunday morning. You can't function that way. You can't parent that way. I, I really don't see how some of you even make it through your week without putting the right things inside of you on a regular basis. So every time you put on your makeup, I want you to have a scripture there. Every time you're the refrigerator, scripture, in your car, scripture, whatever it takes. You have to make sure you're cleaning the inside on a regular basis, okay? Uh, take care of this. Okay, so let me fit, close with this and I'll be done. Um, Ephesians 5.26, here's the job for us husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so that he might sanctify. Sanctify something from the inside out. Uh, cleansing her by the washing of the water with the word. Okay, I have a question for all of y'all in here today. Um, how often do y'all take a bath? Now, before you answer, if you're from the South, you might think about saying something like once every two or three days. Okay, Southerners, that's the wrong answer, just so you know, okay? The right answer on how often you should take a bath is what? Every day. Some of y'all didn't answer, and I bet the people sitting next to you are really upset about that. But that's okay. Every single day you have to take a bath. Because what happens is your mind is filled with all of these wrong thoughts, and you come to church on Sunday morning, and you hear the word, and it feels so good on the inside. And God starts to do great things, and everything's going well. And then some of these thoughts come out of your mind. And you know, on the way home from church, um, you're not as argumentative as you were yesterday. On the way home from church, you're not feeling like you were last night. On the way home from church, you actually have some faith inside of you. You kind of feel like, you know what, I can parent these kids. I'm going to have a great week. Things are going to be fine. But then Monday comes along, and because you didn't feel any more water inside of your, your mind, there's no word, um, you start to feel dehydrated. And people treat you wrong, and the wrong things happen. And then on the way home from work, you're listening to some radio station that's talking about all the bad things going on in the world. And you wonder why things aren't well during the week. You have to wash every single day. The more water gets inside of you, the more the wrong thoughts can't stay inside. Now, um, men, this is, this is our job as men. Um, our job is to make sure that our wives bathe every single day. Now, I, I want to tell you, husbands, you don't have to be a theologian. Okay, there's three things you do for your wives, and, and this will help you. Remember, this is a, a premarital course is what we're doing here. Um, you need to pray for your wife. Now listen, guys, you don't have to know a lot of scripture to pray for your wife. You don't have to be able to, be, you can simply say this, you go to your wife and it'll mean so much to her to her. You can say, um, thank you, God is good, my wife is pretty, and the devil sucks. Amen. That's all you got to say. Whatever you say in prayer, and the ladies, listen, when your husband prays for you, don't you dare. I mean, I will be so mad, I will be so upset, don't you dare correct him when he prays. Don't you dare. Don't you even dare try to add to that prayer like you're some kind of spiritual pope or something like that. You let him do his thing and you smile and say, honey, that was the best prayer I ever heard, okay? Husbands, other thing is you need to make sure your wife is reading or you are reading to her. It can be a 
30 second devotion. 30 seconds. Or you buy her a Joyce Meyer book, or you send her texts throughout the day that are scripture, or you, you tag her on something on Facebook. Do something that makes sure the Word of God is getting inside of her. And then finally, the third thing is, I mean, you got to make sure you encourage your family to come to church. Uh, if there's ever a Sunday where you men should get the kids dressed on time and take care of everything in the morning, it should be Sunday morning. Your wife should not be the one begging you to come to church. You should be begging her as the head of the household to get her in church. Now, when you do this, let me tell you what happens. When you do this, all these lies from the enemy, the discouragement, the depression, the criticalness, the negativity, it'll get right. It'll, it won't have room inside of her mind. Now, the enemy will still try to bombard her, but because her mind is filled with the right things, there'll be no room for the lies of the enemy. When you're filled with the word daily, there's no room for the lies of the enemy. Amen? Amen. And that is a woman's greatest battle. <laughs>